Hey, everyone. Welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson. And I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices, those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing, so we live in a world that truly works for everyone. Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. Hi, Shannon. <laughs> hey, Greg. Was that, I think that was a Monday morning, uh, a Monday morning like brain blurp. <laughs> yeah, or just that like, who's gonna say hi first? Uh, whatever um, battle both we're in. yeah battle and jeez is that where we're starting from <laughs> kind of I think maybe that's kind of speak given your weekend <laughs> and given yeah given i think what we're gonna what we're gonna explore there's a little bit of that energy present for sure uh yeah yeah so so before we go into that and certain kinds of fragility and um obstinance and what else would we say um i mean just Explicit and blatant racism. I don't know. I would say. Well, yeah, and the wrap up in worldview and belief system and mm-hmm. conditioning, you know. Conditioning, so. yeah, yeah. And fear and shame. Yeah. Uh let's check in. Let's check in. I'm gonna do something sort of weird for a check-in suddenly. Um, which is if you could go to that Instagram post from Adrian Marie Brown that you just had open and read that that's pretty much sums up my check-in for today (laughs) (laughs) if you want to know how i'm doing it's that instagram post from yeah i'm I'm gonna get to it i'm I'm working on it here because i wasn't expecting this no that's okay it was it's actually so adrian marie brown uh, on instagram posted this it was then posted they were she was posting something from uh, an Instagram account it looks like called Openly Gay Animals, who was okay. posting a tweet from David Gilbert. So okay. that's the chain of attribution acknowledgement. Yes. Mm-hmm. And here's what it said: Is there a name for the feeling when you when all you want out of life is to hunker down and eat pizza and watch movies, but you also want to break new ground in your profession, but you also want to quit society to live in the woods, but you also want to go explore the world forever? Yeah, that I'm definitely (laughs) I'm sitting in that this morning Mm. Um, and I sit in that place on a regular basis and. You know, it ha- it takes a toll, I guess. Mm-hmm. And today, I'm, I'm, um, struggling's too strong of a word, but like, mm-hmm. I feel the weight of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, and I, it, it does lower my capacity. Like, I feel a little more quick to get frustrated and mm-hmm. kind of my my personal material just like quit and collapse. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so just feeling that, you know, as we. Yeah. As we enter in here today and boy, I, I can feel a part of me that wants to just fix it and change it, but it's like, ah, it's just true. Mm-hmm. So I don't want it to take me out and I don't want to pretend it's not here. So there yeah. it is. 
feels good to have someone else. <laughs> it feels good to know I'm not alone and to bring a little bit of levity into that experience because it's quite yeah. the ride. Yeah, for sure. And I can relate, right? Like, I mean, the reason I, you knew about that post was because I was sharing that I had actually reposted it because it spoke so deeply to me. <laughs> so definitely can relate to that experience. And before I check in, I just want to name, you know, one of the things we got, I know I got, and I think we both got from our first meeting with Aaron Johnson from Holistic Resistance was the idea of track your capacity and his invitation to, to actually really track our capacity as a way of making sure that we could be engaged in this work, this anti-oppression, anti-racism work without being uh, overly harmful is, was a, it was huge, you know? And I think we actually had an opportunity at that first workshop to stay longer for like an extra, like three hours. And both of us at the end of that first part of it, were like, yeah, if I'm, if we're tracking our capacity, that's a bad idea. Like too yeah. fried, you know? And so we moved on. And so I, I appreciate your naming that Shannon and, you know, um, as you're track continuing to track your capacity in the conversation, let me know if we need to slow down back off or end. Yeah. And I want to hear how, how you're, where you are. And I'll just add in, I also appreciate Aaron and Portia continuing to remind us that it's a marathon. Yeah. Um, You know, and so that feels, that feels important. Um, Yeah. Too. You know, sometimes you do need to (laughs) crawl under the covers with a movie and eat popcorn or pizza and then you come back out. There's going to be so much to, to resistance to that idea of resting because yes. when, when we get in touch with the the experience of realizing how far behind the world is around this stuff, we just mm-hmm. want to burn the midnight oil. Bad idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how are you coming in? Yeah, thanks. I'm I'm feeling I'm good. I've like got a lot of energy. I you know um, I came in kind of frustrated because of the way the day was kind of unfolding. Some things took longer than I anticipated, but I'm also feeling really excited because I launched a thing this morning. We, I didn't even tell you that. And I'm, so I'm super stoked about that. Exciting. Um, Just a little shameless side plug. If you, um, if you're a man and interested in men's work, the thing I launched is called step zero. It's on my website, gregorybflynn.com. And it's a, um, it's a program, it's a 10 day free email program for men and it's, I'm super excited about it. So I'll put the link in the show awesome. notes and you can check it out if you want. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm so, so glad. Feeling, yeah, I know thanks. that's been absorbing some of your energy. So anyway, yeah, yeah, back to your capacity. So I'm, I'm feeling really good. And, uh, and our conversation prior to recording helped me kind of ground. And so now I'm feeling good mm-hmm. and grounded. I'm here. I feel like I've got pretty good capacity. We'll see what that happened, that happened, uh, what that looks like as um, we unfold of this conversation, because there's definitely some charge in it for me a little bit. I'm noticing, I was noticing it actually as we were getting on the call. So. It's, well, I also, yeah, I, I definitely. Um, so I want to hold space for you in that, but also want to acknowledge. Oh, so how are we starting? Are we going to do the what's on top around races? Kind of like the way. Like just as in a here? listening session, yeah, yeah, that's a and good I idea. Can, okay, I can start, and then okay, you can go next. So we because there's a lot in your what's on top for you that I know we'll we'll be able to talk about. And I, I just real quick for the listener, I just want to name you know the what's on top about race question 
is a good one to go to uh, when we're when we are in wanting to stay in the work, but we have the question of like, I don't know what's going on. Like to ask that question we have found yep. has been really powerful because one of the things that can do honestly is highlight that there's not much on top. And that in and of itself is a worthy exploration as, as white bodied folks. So, yep. So good. Yep. And I know when I, I mean, it still happens, but when I first met this question, it was a big blank spot. Um, and it would bring up a lot of guilt and shame and confusion for me, mm-hmm. you know, and then just to hear other folks and start to pay attention in different ways. And, um, you know, it's just been helpful, not only in the noticing, but in the feeling and the, then where does that take me in the curiosity that I can, I can get to not always first, but I can eventually get to, to be like, well, why, why is this? And Yeah. So thanks for giving the what's on top about race and oppression um, question and setting some context. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Um, it's funny. Like all of a sudden, as you were talking, like all sorts of things started to come in. Um, so just all blather on. Do you have a time thing? Uh, no, I don't. Actually, I, I, well, I, I give you it's on my wrist so I can wave my wrist at you. How long do you okay. want? Uh, let's do three. I suspect I might need four, but let's see where I am at three. All right, go for it. Um, wow. In fact, so many things are coming in right now. Um, in no particular order, you know, as you and I were talking a few minutes ago, you know, I opened up LinkedIn and there was the Monterey Park, uh, thing that had happened around a lunar, New Year event and Asian Americans. And I'm just uh, sad and angry and feeling that. And um, that's, that's there. I'm also like, I was talking with my sweetie Jonathan earlier today about kind of how do we orient to the world and, and keep, keep our energy going in a way that's beyond like productivity to like really make change and show up. And it made me think of Portia Bede. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was listening to a podcast that she was in this. Um, she was in it a little while ago, but I was listening to it again and just her talking about her like tuning into source and um, love and spirit in ways, in ways that were of course like unique to Portia Um but it just really made me like I'm in awe of her ability and capacity to do that in the face of the continual hardship and struggle. Um, and so it just makes me think about all of that for myself and the privilege of my life and what I have and don't have and how I orient towards that and white mm-hmm. fragility and just all of that. Um, just really really was feeling something, not just thinking about it. And then I went to a, my niece and nephew go to Catholic school. And so I went to my niece's basketball game. This is in Seattle and um, super white. I think there was maybe one person of color in that entire gymnasium. Um, And at least on, you know, in terms of just 
visual identity like everyone seemed white passing to me and I was just sitting there thinking about like what that means and all sorts of levels but for my niece you know and mm. and being in the world and you know conversations that we've had or reactions I've witnessed in her around difference and um yeah just just really feeling that and um how that continues in my own life as an adult uh, too, for, for myself, as I look around, you know, my life and, uh, what I, what I miss out on and also then how I want to reach and that gets confusing. Thanks for that time. Um, yeah, I just want to, want to build relationship. Uh, I grew up in San Francisco and, um, there was a lot more difference in diversity and people from all different heritages and backgrounds and positionalities in my life. And it's just not that way. So yeah. And in closing, just, I don't want it to be like a, want that to be like a, how do I reach in a way that's from my heart almost mm -hmm. to come full circle. And it's not a, like mm -hmm. a consumptive mm -hmm. extractive consuming tokenizing sort of thing. Uh, yeah. So just um, just some things on top around race, and I welcome your reflections. Great. Yeah, thanks, Shannon. Put a minute here. Yeah, I'm hearing you speak about, I mean, there's a, there's a lot in there, but, you know, obviously you're encountering what happened over the weekend in Monterey Park and the, noticing the impact on you and wondering about the impact on um, Asian Pacific Islander communities. Uh, as well as this kind of questioning of like, how do I live in the world in a different way that Porsche's modeling in some ways. But I would say the meat of what I'm hearing is the question of how do, what does it look like to open your life in such a way that you're actually connected to a, a broader diverse community in a way that is authentic and real and not just like built from a, like I need a list of, what kinds of people I have in my life. And now I'm going to go find them and check them off and assemble this thing, but more like, uh, you know, the experience that you were able to have in your, mm -hmm. in your early life in San Francisco, mm -hmm. just naturally and organically, um, which is trickier in a place like Seattle. Yeah. 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 Thank you. I don't, I, Thank you. It was helpful to hear back. I, I feel heard and uh, seen in that. And yeah, just sitting, I guess, with Portia's question of like, what's my motivation? Um, but that question in a, in a loving way, like just kind of sitting with that question. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. And I'm curious to hear you know what's on what's on top for you around race and oppression. Yeah, you you got time for me. You I, I do. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so I'm I'm definitely sitting with uh the refle well, reflections the wrong word. Sitting with the experience of having heard about 
the shootings and the shooting in, in Monterey Park and, and wondering about the impact on folks in our life, in my life. Uh, one of the things I, I sit with in the middle of these kinds of things often is the question of like, what does it mean to reach and offer support? And, you know, not everybody wants that. And, mm-hmm. you know, from my positionality. And so I, I wrestle with that, honestly, and it's something that's alive in me. The thing that is most alive in me, which will probably not surprise you, is sitting with this little LinkedIn exchange that happened over the weekend. And just to kind of frame it up for folks, um, actually, I won't frame it up just yet on the listening session. I'll just, I'll just speak to the impact of it. Mm-hmm. There's a way in which like, I encountered somebody who was obviously very... Um, had a very set point of view on what it means to be anti-racist and, and who was opposed to that point of view. <laughs> um, he was a white male, um, does not live in the United States, or at least their LinkedIn profile does not indicate that they don't live in the United States, but, or, um, but they are, um, yeah, they, uh, you know, they, the, the way that they put things forward brought up in me definitely an energy of wanting to like, uh, like kind of counter in a very strong way. And I found myself actually having to like do a little bit of like backing off and digging in and like trying to figure out like, how do I actually, how would I actually reach for this person and invite knowing full well <laughs> that there wasn't much of a point in doing that. You know, it was like the, as I was doing it, I was like, this is totally a waste of my time. But like it, it was something I wanted to practice. I think a little snarkiness came across, came through in that, but it has me thinking a lot about fragility and not just fragility, but like the ways in which we can become, and I, I mean, I include myself in this. Like, I think all of us can become r- rigid around certain kinds of thinking and the ways in which their material that lives in us, whether it be from a personal unique trauma story, our upbringing, our family conditioning, our the ways we were treated or not treated, the needs we had that didn't get met, the ways we were seen or not seen, the stories that we were told about ourselves that we became to believe or it be collective conditioning, like the, the societal stories about myself or you know, my, my position in the world, my positionality, my place, what I deserve, what I, what's, what's rightfully mine. And that stuff can operate under the surface in such a way. Yeah. Thank you, Shannon, for the time notice. Um, and, and I noticed myself, like my, my initial reaction being like, ah, like kind of wanting to go at it. So, which tells me that there's my, there's some, my own stuff going on, like, you know, under the surface, but I'm, I'm curious to explore a little bit, not, I don't want to go too terribly long on this, but like a little bit about what this exchange I had with this guy can tell us potentially about, um, what, may be happening in ourselves and what may be happening in others as we enter into conversations about race, which are obviously so incredibly fraught in, in, you know, in unhelpful ways. I'll leave it there Mm -hmm. and I'm open to any reflection you have. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. So much there, Greg. And just really what's, what's striking me is um, hearing you talk, you know, about an encounter, right. And like the encounter and the counter, like as you were describing encounter, I had this vision of like you kind of like running up against a brick wall, you know? Mm. Um, And then you were talking about, you know, feeling, feeling your own energy come up to like counter it and have a little edginess and a little snarkiness Mm. in it. Um, And, you know, wanting, wanting to practice reaching when you're in that place, you know, and someone Mm. else is in that place. And so just hearing you, you know, wanting to practice and be curious and, and try maybe even where it seems like there's no, no hope or no point. Um, yeah, I was also struck by kind of holding up the, the two things jumped out like fragility and rigidity, rigidity, fragility and rigidity, Mm. um, like as energies. And so, yeah, your share, your share had an energy of, of that kind of encounter counter rigidity, you know, fragility, Mm -hmm. fluidity. Like, so it was, uh, (laughs) it felt like I just could feel that in me. Um, so those are some of the things that I heard and felt while I was listening. Mm. Curious how that, how that lands for you or if you feel heard or what I missed. Yeah, no, I definitely feel heard. I, I feel, uh, I appreciate the way you name that, like the encounter and the counter and the, the, you know, cause there is a way in which, you know, I mean, this gets into like a psychology one-on-one stuff, I think, but like, there's a way in which rigidity gets met with rigidity. Like if there's rigidity in me mm-hmm. and it gets, you know, and I come up against rigidity and then, you know, and then, then there's all the projection stuff, right? Like what are the things about this person that, live inside of me that I'm, you know, either projecting onto them or I'm uh, triggered by because they, you know, they live in me. Mm -hmm. Of course the counter is there too. Right. (laughs) Which is like, what are the things that are, that is triggering this person? Um, And I'll just give a little bit more context if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Which is, you know, so uh, a, a friend and colleague, had seen this, had come across this post that was essentially something along the lines of the 10 stupidest words in modern day world. And I think number one was microaggression. And there was, I think fragility was one of them. I think maybe even anti-racism was one of them. Um, you know, the post seemed to be centered around calling, naming the, the vocabulary that's emerged around, Anti-racism and anti-racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, there was a, uh, then, you know, it said like, what, what would you make, what would you add as number 11 or something like that was that, you know, and mm. our friend posted a, posted a, it was pretty snarky. And we had a little bit of an exchange, him and I, in, in the, well, you were there too, in the, in the, in a direct message on LinkedIn in which he said, you know, yeah, I try to be more inviting, but I was feeling a little punchy on a Saturday night and, um, decided to repost it. And I think he, he posted it with something along the lines of, uh, tell me, tell me you benefit from power structures without telling me you benefit from power structures, you know, like, Mm. and, uh, and which I thought was, you know, amusing. And I commented on it and some other people commented on it. And then him and our friend and this guy, the original poster had a 
back and forth that this that really you could see the kind of escalation in this guy. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, whatever. Well, this that guy like reached out to me on LinkedIn. I guess he had seen that I commented, but didn't track at all that I like where I was coming from <laughs> on it. And right. he, he invited me to connect. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to just accept your invitation here, dude, because like this is a problem post, right? It's a, it's, it's not a good look and it's full of the kinds of language that, I mean, most of the people I think that, it, you know, are, would be impacted by it are, are going to ignore it and are used to it and used to ignoring those sorts of things. And like, that doesn't make it okay. That doesn't mean, and I'm not going to support, like, um, implicitly support you by clicking accept your LinkedIn, invita- your connection invitation. But I will reach back. So I, I messaged him and I said, look, you know, I'm open to connecting and I'm, I preferred, I don't want to reject the, I, uh, the person. I want to reject the ideology, right? Like I, so if you're open to a dialogue about your post, I'm game, you know, and let me know basically. And boy, the message I got back from him was intense. Um, mm-hmm. And and full of a lot of weird hyperbole claiming to be taking legal action against our friend who had posted, you know, for defamation, essentially um, claiming that our friend had, po- had deleted his post, which he hadn't. <laughs> um, and, you know, claiming that, you know, that he had, you know, he actually said like, I've done more for, in his words, ethnic minorities than you ever will. You know, all you're doing is virtue signaling and trying to look good essentially and, and profit off of their back. Right. The thing, the thing that, that, that I wanted to, the reason I wanted to bring it up here is because like I was saying to you before we got on the, to record, I think of this, I think there's like a spectrum here, right? And this guy lives on an end of the spectrum around this stuff that is obviously like reachable is not the right word because engageable probably is not engageable, Mm. right? Because we're not going to have an honest conversation. Like his, his responses to everything have been really very one-sided and and not interested, not curious. There's no, I I don't know that there's any questions other than the question of, am I willing, am I going to resign all of my positions so that, you know, a woman of color can have them? Um, that thing was the only question, which I don't think felt like a sincere question, honestly. And so there's a, there's a way in which this extreme example kind of on the spectrum highlights for me, the ways that our, um, you know, what gets deemed as fragility. And I, I, maybe at some point we explored that kind of question a little bit more. Cause I think fragility yeah, is I think that feels important. Yeah. Is an interesting, um, yeah, it's an interesting conversation, I think. But there's a way in which our reaction to being confronted with our whiteness and our positionality, because that's really what was happening, right? Is he he did something and then somebody else confronted his positionality and said, look, here's a white man who's benefiting from power structures. Like, that's what's happening here. And it was snarky the way our friend did it, totally. And our, <laughs> he admitted it. He was in a... He's probably listening to this. And so, but yep. we, you know, he, 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 he named that and that's, that it's fair. Happens I get to all start. of us. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know, I'm not, not innocent of that at all. My, my email back to him had a little snark to it too. Um, but there's a way in which when we get confronted with our positionality, we have these reactions. This is an extreme one, but it, to me, it highlights some stuff, right? It highlights how our material, you know, and the question becomes to me is how curious are we to, um, to look at that material? How curious oh. are we to, and, and then also, do we have the support around us and the capacity coming back to earlier in the, in the check-ins, do we have the capacity to actually be confronted with that and the support around us to, to be in, you know, to be in the dialogue and, and it's possible. I don't know what else is going on in this guy's life. You know, um, it's entirely possible that it's so like his, there's so much happening in his nervous system that he literally doesn't have the capacity and this is the result. And maybe if he got caught in six months when things were different, it would be a different kind of conversation. Unlikely, but possible. And so yeah. that I, anyways, that's kind of the conversation I was interested in and and now I'm realizing I've been talking for a long time. So I'm going to set that up okay. and see what your reaction is. I've been, I've been thinking about interrupting you many a time, but I uh, I feel like getting the the context out there, um, I think in the name of slowing down a little bit, I think I would like to slow you down mm. a little bit and see like as you listen into yourself, as you feel into like what, what's happening in you, mm. you know, cause I think admittedly he's on one side of the spectrum and you're on the other. Mm. Right. And so I'm just wondering if you slow yourself down and feel what's, what comes up in you on this side of the spectrum. Um, maybe what, what of your personal material gets activated here and what, what happens to your capacity. And then you start thinking of feeling into support. Maybe could you speak to a little bit about, would mm. you be willing? I'm, putting you on the spot here to talk about your side of the spectrum a little bit, and then we can totally talk about some of these other things. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So some of, some of what I know was activated in me was a, was the part of me, which I identify very much as part of my white maleness, part of the, that positionality of, I can, I can get through to this guy. Mm. Like if I, like I can probably- mansplain to another man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't think we mansplain? You don't think we mansplain to each other? You, you, yeah, you just. I mean, I try not to be in the room for that, but yeah. any, anyway, seriously. No, so, but 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 you know, like there's a way in which it's not, and it's not just like mansplain. It's just like I'm probably capable of actually penetrating whatever this guy's, th- you know, and that. And so some of that is probably my own, mm-hmm. you know, is, is related to positionality. Probably some of that's related to my own trauma story and then my, my Enneagram foreness, right? Like that kind of unique, special sense of self that exists within me. And so, yeah, I think some of that, that came alive, right. And like, you know, and so my, uh, some of my own activation essentially Mm. of my own trauma Mm -hmm. story for sure. Uh, And at the same time, like living side by side with the part of me that, that actually really believes that, that to, that the that the approach of reaching is valuable, right? The approach of saying yeah. like I'm going to give this a try and see what happens. That said, you know, you know, I could probably use some work on my discernment um, mm. and recognize where it's 
useful and where it isn't and where the energy is useful, where it isn't. I mean, I, I, I won't lie. Like when I was responding to him, you know, I, I like, we had this back kind of back and forth and then, excuse me. Then I went off to like do some things in the day and it was running in the background. Like the things mm. I could say to him, the different email, the next thing I would say, what would the LinkedIn post look like? All that stuff was running in the background. It took a little while before it kind of settled and dropped. So, it, And so would you describe that as more the kind of the activation slash triggery, not that it's all black and white, but I'm just struck by what you said just now about, and then it took a while mm-hmm. to drop in. Mm-hmm. And so then when you dropped in, like what shifted or what became clear or how did that change things wasn't so much, for you? Wasn't, wasn't so much that it dropped in as mm-hmm. that the, the, the charge dropped like the and the uh-huh. like the thing was that was spinning in my head just kind of dissolved into nothingness which okay. which is what and which is what leads me to believe that there was like yeah there was activation there in my own yeah so that triggering and so that story. kind of noise cleared through and moved through your moved through you and then you felt like you could participate just, from a different place well more like it just i just stopped thinking about it and and mm. caring to go back and be in conversation with him um, so, yeah. you know, there's a way yeah. in which the, yeah, it activated some uh, anxiety is probably the wrong word, but like some kind of energy that was like kind of chomping at it and like wanting to get into it. And, and I think it's, it is actually, it is a distraction from the work, right? Because it, it's not, a, there's not a lot of usefulness in putting my energy there when I could be having a conversation with somebody else who's like, you know, I, I, I get, conver- get, messages on occasion on LinkedIn from folks who were like, I don't understand. Can we talk? And I'm like, sure, let's talk. And we have a conversation and maybe some little needle gets moved around somebody going like, Oh, I understand. I see. So the shame I'm feeling isn't, you know, like at yeah. me, it's just in me. Like, right, exactly. You know, we kind of move on. This was different. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah I'm struck I mean, by other, that. The other thing, like the understanding piece, the, one other thing I want to so say just, real quick yeah. is that yeah. the other th- way it, it is that it, one of the other ways that it impacts like, and, and isn't useful in the work is what we were talking about earlier around capacity, because I actually wanted to spend most of yesterday in, in more of a relaxed state and mm. resting from a lot that I've been going through and, and building my energy to come into this week. And instead I actually used psychic and emotional energy thinking about this. Mm. And even though it dissolved at a certain point, it took up a certain, you know, element of rest. And so there's a way in which I think it, it, it's reinforcing um, some of the, the stories that I hold that aren't necessarily useful in, in this work in the long run. Mm. What do you mean? The stories it is, it's reinforcing. What did, could you just say just a little bit more about that piece? The story of, I've got to burn the midnight oil. If I, if I don't just like, am I not always in this, always trying to figure it out, always mm. going, you know, the matter, regardless of the, the cost to my energy, the cost to my well being, the cost to my capacity. Yeah. Then, then you're I'm not a, being a good anti-racist. Yeah, I'm not in the work, obviously. You're not in the work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you clarified that. That feels, that feels definitely important. I know we had a place in mind to go. I, I just want to say I'm struck in this moment, just thinking about some of what we want to do in white caucus space is to like connect to 
and center, you know, people of color, people, the global majority and their experience with them while they're not here to try and understand better and be better supporters. Um, and what I'm thinking of in this moment and feeling in this moment of like all of the energy and all of the time that you spent and the, the way it activated your nervous system and just thinking about how, you know, that kind of thing is often going on inside of mm-hmm. those of us in our life, you know, the people of color that we have in our lives and in our work and, you know, just imagining what they are living with and kind of, a, you know, encountering this spectrum in various ways throughout their day, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I just, I just wanted to, just wanted to name that, mm. um, as a point of reflection and, and then kind of move into what we were saying before about, and just how that affects people's capacity just to close the circle there. Is there anything you wanted to say there? And then if you wanted to take it a certain direction, go well, I for think it. It's, I think it is. I mean, it's such a, it's such a, it's so tied to capacity, you know, mm-hmm. the, because because our capacity is ultimately our energy in our, in our groundedness and our nervous system. You know, if mm-hmm. we're, if we're not grounded in our nervous system and we don't have the kind of right energy or not right, but you know, the, the, uh, the an amount of energy that's going to support us in navigating challenging things that come at us. So this was a challenging thing that comes, you know, that came at me and I sort of voluntarily, I put myself in it. Right. And I didn't have capacity to not write some of the emails to him that I wanted to, <laughs> but I was thinking yeah. about them. And that was, I think, wearing me down a little bit and making it probably harder to actually figure out how to stay in, you know, other kinds of aspects of, of the work, even though I wasn't necessarily like confronted with those things in the moment. Um, but like, you know, to actually be able to stay present and listen to, you know, a a colleague or a friend or a teacher of color and hear them and let their experience land in me was probably reduced by my sitting and spinning around that, Mm -hmm. you know, and being engaged with that sort of a conversation, you know, and I'm, so, I mean, obviously this weekend I wasn't in some kind of a workshop where I was, where I needed to really be careful and to not you know, worried about not harming somebody, but it was definitely, you know, it definitely impacted me. And so if that's true in there, where is it, where else is it true in my life? Where else am I not doing that? Is a question it raises for me. Yeah. You know, and. And also like just the difference too of, like, I, I don't, would you say that you didn't experience harm in this interaction? Mm-mm, no. Right. So that, that layer hasn't even entered in, you know, to like what happens to people's energy and how it reduces their capacity. So I just want right. to name that. I'm not equating your experience no. as one yeah. of being harmful and. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, you know, and this was, I mean, one of the things I will say is like, I, I intentionally wasn't getting into a pissing match with this guy on my LinkedIn feed. You know, I was like, I want, like, if I'm going to be communicating with him, I wanted to do it in the direct messages where it's just the two of us and he can say whatever he's going to say. And it's like the only person mm. who's going to see it is me unless I choose to like do something with it, which I'm not doing. You know, I thought about it, but I, right. I don't think I'm going to give it, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but the, yeah, you know, and, and that's the, it's true. You know, like it was, I don't feel like I was harmed in the conversation, 
I feel like right. I was triggered, you know, and I feel right. like I was annoyed and frustrated. I wasn't even like uncomfortable in the sense of like, Ooh, I'm being confronted by something here. I've, I've, you know, I've encountered a much of what the guy was saying to me in the past. And, and honestly, some of it lives in me. Some of the questions that he asked lived in me, you know, the questions yeah. about like virtue signaling, those live in me. Like I, I'm concerned about them, you know, and yes. in very real ways, yeah. the question about profiting, you know, charging for workshops or understanding whiteness that lives in me. It's a real thing, you know, and yeah. I don't have a perfect way to tie that up. I feel like it's a messy sort of bind that I live in, in a little ways that I'm okay with living in partly because, you know, I'm, I'm a person. There is no perfect needs, solution here. There's yeah. no perfect solution. <laughs> and I'm a person who has to subsist within capitalism. So like everybody, right. so, you know, uh, you know, and, and so I've my ways of, of dealing with that. And yeah, I think, I think there's, I'm not sure where else where that thought was going. <laughs> it's okay. It yeah. I'm just, I'm noticing time and, um, Wondering, you know, this went a little bit of a different direction than I think maybe we are anticipating, as they always do. So, so surprise. <laughs> um, and, you know, curious what you would want to talk about here, because you were talking about the fragility and what gets activated in us and, you know, how that can get us rigidly stuck in something. And, and so I'm just curious, like in maybe the next 10 minutes, if we want to talk about that or share what you're thinking about. Well, I think when I when I mentioned fragility and wanting to talk more about that, I, th- I actually wonder if there's a whole episode in that. And part of the reason I, I say that is because I'm reminded of something the Reverend Angel said when we were with her a few years ago, which was, or maybe it was on a podcast. It might have been on a podcast I heard her say this. She said something along the lines of, white people aren't fragile. Mm. And she said, and the reason I know that, and, and I being her, right, this is in, in her words, is that, or the, par- paraphrasing anyways, is that you can't be fragile and do what white bodies have done to black and brown bodies and indigenous bodies, you know. Yeah. And. Disassociated. And it connects with Resma. Her point isn't to like to like dismiss, I don't think to dismiss Robin D'Angelo's work and that whole notion of white fragility. I think her point is to reframe it as like, actually what's happening here is an activation of being confronted with your positionality and not knowing what to do with that because we live in a culture that doesn't create a, um, an understanding of that. Like, I think we, we had an episode recently called, we have a racial identity you know, that whole idea of pointing to the fact that as white bodied folks, we're raised to not think we have a racial identity. And when we yeah. get confronted with it and confronted with the the impact of that, it's really in- intense. And this can be what triggers folks like this post, you know, this sort of a thing. And, but I think the, you know, I think the, the thing that I, you know, had originally wanting to come in here thinking about, which I think we got to kind of, in a, in a very different way, much more personal than, you know, than um, I think maybe I had originally intended, but I'm, I'm glad for it is the question of, um, you know, how, what, what is that spectrum and how can we see where this stuff lives within us and within the people we're encountering so that when we're, when we're, when we meet it, we recognize that actually 
what's probably happening right now is somebody's having a reaction to being confronted by their positionality. And that's what was that just could, striking me in what you were saying is the, hmm. what do we need there? All right. Hmm. When we get confronted with our positionality, which I think is my guess is what Robin D'Angelo is inviting us to think about. And mm-hmm. like we get met there and that's where our fragility or confusion or denial or whatever happens there. And so what is it that we need to learn to do together mm-hmm. and ourselves? And, and when we, when we are, you know, holding space, facilitating space, controlling spaces as facilitators or coaches or consultants or managers or leaders or humans, <laughs> uh, recognizing that that when that happens when there are um when there are people in the room who who's who you know are are potentially harmed by those reactions to the position someone being confronted by their positionality that there's a whole different way of holding that than if you're just in a white controlled space like in just or just in a white caucus a white affinity space because what are some of the things just to make it practical right in this moment? Like what are the things that you and I think about when we've had instances of that? And admittedly we haven't had many. Um, well, not, not explicitly anyways, not, ex- not explicitly, that we, that we, right. That we fully noticed. Yeah. That yeah. we haven't tracked and missed, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, so, so a great example of this is, is an event that we had a few months ago. We spoke about this, actually we recorded, about this, but we haven't released it yet just because it's sitting on the shelf and we haven't, it's kind of in the can for a rainy day, I suppose. But where we had an event where this came in very strongly, um, there were this being like the charge of race Yep, and white fragility. There were Mm -hmm. two people of color in the room and we posed a question into the circle that we were in. And one of the people of color brought forward a reaction, a very strong reaction to the question and um, invited in a very different perspective that then kind of triggered a series of comments among white bodied folks. Some of those comments pointed to um, some very strong discomfort around having being confronted with race and being confronted with um, positionality, positionality. um, And, you did a very. We had some uh, tears starting from. Yep, we had some some white, white tears, women. Some white tears starting yep. that started popping up, and we even had like a comment of like, you know, oh, something along the lines of like, thank goodness I can learn from you, you know, like you know, right. as, a, as a person of color, I can learn. Like, you know, please tell me because I can't learn without you. There was a lot moving in the space, and we were we were just getting ready to go into um, dyads. And we had actually planned a different form of dyads, but you did a really smart thing, which was you pivoted real quick and you, you immediately went into kind of caucusing mode and you reframed the, the dyads and you, I thought you started it in a, in a very smart way because you started on the other side of the room and you pair, started pairing people up and the way you did it ended up pairing up the, the two people of color in the room so that they could go and process what had just happened on their own. Even though that wasn't even the invitation, we didn't actually say like, Oh, let's process what just happened. We had a different question, but that's what they were able to do. And then the white bodied folks were able to, you know, um, do the same, I think is what happened. It's probably what happened. Yeah. For most of them. Yeah. Don't know. Probably to some or some degree, you know, some or lesser degree, right. Depending on what people were tracking. 
but that's a great example i thought of hmm. you know a way because what you, what you did in that moment is recognized okay so there's a potential for harm here you know and what we need to do is do everything we can given our position and our position both positionality and position in the space of controlling the space and and being you right. know, and what can we do here to help mitigate that as best as possible i thought that was a great you know um you know great approach mm. thank you i mean <laughs> uh i think i think it took the two or three years of anti-racism work before that to be able to keep my thoughts, you know, cause I mean, I was definitely in that moment also like activated and, you know, trying to move through stuff that was happening, happening in me. But um, yeah, I think that's a great place to start when the charge of race comes into the room in a mixed space, which is not to resolve it there yeah. um, and to, you know, provide caucus space so that people can, you know, have their conversations and, and get support and not have people doing labor, you know, people of color doing labor and experiencing further, you know, harm in the process. So, um, and as, you know, as a facilitator after the fact, you know, after with that, we broke for dinner. I mean, you know, I was, we were both stirred up and needing to process ourselves about that, um, you know, and being able to have the, the, capacity to do that too, but you know, it definitely stirred up stuff and also sitting with the fact that it's, it can't get resolved here. You know what I mean? Like that, mm -hmm. especially for me, you know, me, I think I've talked about it on this podcast, almost every podcast, like that need for coherence and, you know, oh. wanting, wanting things to feel like closed or clear and whatever the thing is that I have going on inside of me, you know, that I definitely got activated that wanted to we yeah. just needed to kind of sit in that was a full experience in and of itself and resolution in the ways that I liked and maybe other people in the room would have liked just wasn't available. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. We're coming up on a, on an hour here. Um, no, this is, this is, uh, this keeps happening to us the last few days or last few podcast recordings where we think we don't have anything. And then <laughs> here we are. Yeah. Anything else to like, I think on that practical side for a moment of like maybe what you learned from this and engaging with folks. Cause I also know that we'll encounter this person's positionality and degrees in the work. I mean, I have fellow facilitators where I bump into not quite this part of the spectrum, this extreme, but it's present. And so anything that you might want to say about what you've learned about how to engage here. Yeah, I mean, I think one one thing is is the discernment around where it makes sense. You know, the, I guess it's one. Two is probably has to do with relationship, right? So, like, this isn't yeah. somebody that I've got a relationship with. Who, like, if this was somebody that I knew, who I'd I'd had some, even if I'd only known, you know, I'm thinking about a couple people that are parts of community, you know, in communities that you and I are part of, who I like, I know, I you know, I've had bunch of calls with them, but I don't know, know them. Like they're not a, a good friend of mine, but even somebody like that, I would, would want to reach to more clearly, you know, like, and if somebody, if it's somebody I have no relationship with, definitely see the point, no point in really pursuing it. 
Um, that said, this was in a, you know, it's in LinkedIn, right? So it's like this huge platform. Who knows like what the algorithm is doing for what is being seen and what's not being seen and what's getting lifted up and whatnot. Um, that's very different, I think, than if this guy had walked into a room that I was in. And right. He was a team member on a team. Like we right. met him for the first pot. That's kind of what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Right? So that's a great example. Yeah. And maybe there's, maybe there are, um, I mean, there's certainly people with different positionalities and, and potentially marginalized identities on the team, right? Whether that be right. because they're women or be because of their sexual orientation or because of, you know, other gender or because of race or because of whatever, you know, yeah. um, that I think also takes a different, makes it a different, would make it a different thing. And the approach to, um, reaching for that person, you know, the, yeah, I mean, I could imagine different, you know, levels of, Hey, stop it. You, we need to talk after this meeting, but you need to stop talking right, right now all the yeah. way to that, to waiting till the end of the meeting and sitting down with them and saying like, Hey, I need to talk to you about what just, what just happened. Can we have a conversation? Um, yeah. I, but you know, I think at the end, it's probably just as messy to reach yeah. in this place as it is, you know, to reach across the, 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 the positionality gaps that we so often explore. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I mean, those were the things I had in mind, you know, of just the varying degrees of stopping, you know, inviting someone, a white bodied person to stop. Um, so I don't really have anything else to add there. It feels like a starting point, right. To get out of the, I mean, sometimes not saying anything, maybe in that meeting, depending on the severity, but after the afterwards, but, you know, speaking up and, you know, the trickiness of when you start doing this work and you start tracking and noticing and seeing these things and you're contracted to come in and do a team building session and it, you know, no one's contracted you to come in and raise awareness about their positionality, you know? And so there's a layer in here where that gets, that gets tricky too. And, you know, you begin to feel the risk of, you know, I have some things to lose by being in this work, which people will, you know, what are you willing, willing to lose? What are you prepared to lose? Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, that becomes, I think a whole other, a whole other conversation, but just, yeah. you know, how this experience over the weekend for you, you know, does get connected to disrupting our practice and how we engage in the room and what we say and to who and who says it and all the, all those kinds of things. And why you want to have a co-facilitator <laughs> don't do this alone and have a community, right? And why we want to do this podcast and be in community. So, you know, Greg and I are always here. Uh, and if you don't have community yet and yeah, so. hundred percent. And, you know, it's, it's a, you know, I, mean, I think, you know, I don't think we can do this work alone. I think if we try to, we're going to have some problems and. Yep. So even whether ourselves. Whether or not you have a co-facilitator, I mean, definitely try to have a co-facilitator, but definitely can't do it alone um, right. in the long run. And, you know, come and join us. We've got some workshops. Um, I'm not entirely sure when this is going to post, but it'll post around the time we're getting the ball rolling with those. So go check out our website for the Disrupting Our Practice Winter Workshop Series, um, a couple yep. of which are going to be with our good colleague and teacher and friend, Aaron uh, Johnson from holistic resistance. And yeah, we'd love to have you join us in these questions and wrestling with this stuff. Yeah. There we go. This, this podcast kind of hit all four workshops. 
positionality, yeah, culture, <laughs> stories, and tools of our trade. So maybe yeah, we should yeah. move it up in our queue. <laughs> maybe we could. All right. All right. Thanks, y'all. Well, thanks a ton. Excited? And I think so. Yeah. Reach out to us. Let us yeah. know, you know, what is stern in you, what kinds of questions are popping up from these conversations. And love to be in conversation so thanks a ton thanks for listening yeah thanks <laughs>